Hello, mate. You all right? All good? Yep. No worries. So I'm ready and rearing. <laughs> I'm reading something on Twitter about um, uh, William Shatner stole four hair pieces from this set of <laughs> Star Trek. Yeah, I saw something about that. That's yeah. incredible. Oh, sorry. No, <laughs> yeah, sorry. That's a piece of obscure history that I like to read about. There we go. <laughs> uh, talk about Temple Trek. Uh, right. All good. All sorted. Everything's everything's fine. Yep. Yeah, excellent. Well, um, straight in with the Nexus Knights. This is the Temple Trek Nexus Knights. Yes, Nexus Knights. Here we go. Welcome to Nexus Knights. Yeah. Yeah, you guys. Ah, oh, I, I like it when uh, everyone else does all the introductions. Right, I'm going to sit back. Uh, you're in the capable hands of Dan Huckfield. Off you go. Ah. Uh, right. Um, <laughs> yes. Well, tonight, today, we're going to talk about season one of Enterprise. Not really sort of going into the depths of it, I don't think, but we're going to talk about did it work? What did it do well? What did it do bad, probably? And uh, away we go. I'll, I'll hand back over to the main man, <laughs> as much as he likes to pretend he's not. He is the main man. Uh, Dan Hitch. Yay. Hello, everybody. It's nice to be guesting on this show. Um, <laughs> no, um, season one uh, as a retrospective, it wasn't actually something that was on the cards for me. And uh, Dan came up with this idea and it's, it's a really great idea. I should have thought of doing both um, because I always pictured it as doing retrospectives based on the year um, because mm. of history and because of the nature of the show. But yeah, we should really talk about season one outside of in-universe canon. Uh, yeah. Season one as it was. Um, I figured, what, if we start with what we thought about it when it first played out and then what yep. we thought about it having reviewed it again okay and well, then if, first, yep. if we end sure. if we end for the listeners on whether it broke your rule like that that should be the thing that the listeners have okay. to stay tuned all the way to the end of the episode for <laughs> well i'll tell you what we'll do then we'll restate the rule okay right star trek first seasons are bad <laughs> other than tos there's an exception to every rule, so that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the sense that season ones are always worse than season two. I don't know. I think I think season four is where most treks really hit the mark. Mm-hmm. But yes, I think yeah. I mean, I just think that most first seasons, I don't know, they don't, just don't quite. They don't quite work. Um, I don't know whether it's that you're not sort of familiar with the characters and you haven't settled into that sort of nice familiar feeling where, you know, you know what's going, what people are like and stuff and, and whether that's the, the issue mm. or whether it's just something about Star Trek or whether it's just <laughs> something about TV shows in general. I don't know. I mean, it's interesting in music. I think they all, you know, generally the first album is the best. Yeah. Again, I mean, there's, there's exceptions to that rule, certainly, but, you know, often the, the first album is the the one you think, wow, this is, you know, amazing. And then they sort of, they get too, not too big for their boots. I don't know quite what it is. You know, they, <laughs> that energy, I think I was in a band many years ago. And I think what you, what you get when you get to that, we got to a point of recording a demo for EMI. Wow. So we got to, you know, we, we, we didn't quite make it, but we, we got to a, a, a stage, you know, and I think what what you have at that point is that energy and that that sort of that desire to sort of prove mm. prove something. And um, I'm not sure that that plays out into Star Trek. 
So that that's that's, that's the first season rule. Yeah. Well, I never knew this about you. This is this is good. Um, so, uh, what was the name of the band? Uh, Catching Flies. Oh, nice. That is good. What was the what was the genre that you went for? Or were you eclectic? No, nah, sort of indie. Really, it was sort of indie. It was um, early. What was it? I suppose it was mid nineties, early nineties, mid nineties. Okay. So uh, in the sort of Travis vein. No, a bit more sort of. We were much more into sort of Nirvana and stuff, and, oh, and that nice. sort, of, you know, that sort of stuff. Nice. Um, nice. Sort of Radiohead, that sort mm. of, you know, into that sort of stuff, oh. rather than sort of the more I don't know if poppy is the right word, but not sort of the poppy indie. Nice. Yeah. Very cool. Oh well, I definitely would have been listening to Catching Flies. I want to. <laughs> do you still have some of your music on the on the old thing? You know, I don't know if there's anything on the internet, but. I've, I've got something somewhere, yeah, Ooh. yeah. We we recorded the demos the same. We recorded like a little EP. Um, Very yeah. cool. Yeah. Uh, if there any other Star Trek fans in that group, are you still in contact with them? Um, no, no other Star Trek fans. Actually, funny enough, no. Yeah, I still see them every so often. Yeah, yeah. Nice. We're uh, sort of uh, not drifting apart exactly, but you know, you know what life's like. You sort of, you know. But I see a couple of them every so often. Yeah. What did you play? What was your position? I was bass player. Oh, nice! Uh, the cool one, the one who's standing yeah. back, you know, just cre- creating all of it. Yeah, I see, I yeah. see. I like yeah. to think so. Yeah. <laughs> so you're the bass player for uh, Temple Trek and Nexus Knights as well. You're the yeah. one keeping the keeping the pace going. That's yeah, good. I exactly, like that. Yeah. Uh, nice. Yeah. So uh, I'm the one making a prat of himself at the front. <laughs> <laughs> oh, cool! Very cool. Have any? Asp- I'm moving away from Star Trek at this point, but you know, any aspirations to sort of start musically again or i've still got my bass and stuff and the, the amp and all that sort of stuff so it's it's there um i i really enjoyed the band thing mm-hmm. uh, that was what, what sort of got me to play nice I, you know i'm not really i was never really one for sort of sitting and playing just sort of you know but um i really enjoyed the sort of I enjoyed the gigging. It was really funny. When I first started, I remember the first couple of gigs we did, we played at um, a place called the, the Forum in Tunbridge Wells. Mm. And um, I remember the first time you sort of hit the, the hit the string, you know, hit the note, and it's loud. And you're like, oh, shit, people can hear me. <laughs> you know? But then after a while, like, you just, I started to love that. You know, that really, you know, sort of, you could really sort of, yeah, make some noise. <laughs> nice. And we ended up, you know, we played in London quite a lot, played up in Candom and stuff and nice. you know, that sort of thing. So, yeah, it was really good. It was, when I look back on it, it was, I really, you know, it's funny. It's a thing I've sort of always had is I've got a bit of a punk attitude to life. Nice. I always think that, you know, just do it. You know, people, I, I remember a couple of my mates used to say, oh, I wish I was in a band and stuff. And I just thought to myself, well, just just do it, man. Nice. You know, just do it. It's a bit like with a podcast. You know, I thought, well, I'm going to do that. And you just you just got to do stuff, you know. Yeah. So yep. I, that's sort of always been my attitude is that, you know, no one's going to, it's the same with art, with my art, you know. No one's going to help you. No one's going to... Um, just going to plug my mic in actually because <laughs> the mic's not been plugged in for the whole time go get some snacks there you go is it coming through yep okay there we go 
Yeah, it's all good. All nice and clear. So I've been recording on the... Just do it. Just do <laughs> it, you see? Just, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah um, and I just, you know, I've, I've sort of had that thing in me that, you know, like with art, you, you know, I, I sort of... You've, you've got to make things happen in mm-hmm. life. Because, you know, you can think, oh, I'd love to do that, I'd love to do that, and, you know, you either do it or you don't. Mm. And that's always been my attitude, really. Um, I love that. Yeah. So uh, on the art side of things, what yeah. what's your sort of heavy influences? So are you more mod- modern art or are you? Oh yeah, yeah, classics? definitely. I mean, mm-hmm. no, I'm much more into sort of contemporary art. And, mm. uh, um, I really like. Um, there's a guy called Robert Rauschenberg. Okay. Um, a '60s artist, '50s '60s artist, hmm. who was around at the time of abstract expressionism, which was sort of Jackson Pollock and all that sort of stuff. Ooh, but he yeah. sort of moved away from that. And was I, I love his work. I think um, certainly his work at that time was amazing. Um, I like um, sort of yeah more contemporary stuff. I'm, I'm, I like stuff. I don't. I've got this thing about um, nice pictures. Mm-hmm. It just and this maybe is because I'm not very skilled at that sort of thing. So maybe you know that's <laughs> what it is. If I was good at it, I'd probably love it. But. Um, I have this thing about sort of, you know, if you can, if you can take an image of, say, you're standing in a field, and you can put that down, mm. it's sort of easy, right? Because if you're able to copy it, mm-hmm. then it's already given to you. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. Exactly. So abstraction is my. I, I love abstraction. Nice. Um, I, I, things like you know, like. Um, Tracy Emin's bed, I think, is a fantastic piece of work. Mm-hmm. I love it. I saw it at Margate a little while ago, and it's mm. just fantastic. She's just started a new gallery, isn't she? Or she's going yeah. to be starting a new one? Yeah, she is going to be. Yeah, that's right. She's got mm. a studio down in Margate, and I think she's opening a gallery down there as well. Excellent. And some artist studios, I think, as well. Mm. Yeah. That's... In fact, I was down in, in Margate on Saturday to, to, to the Turner Contemporary, went to a show there. Um, yeah. Very cool. So, that's the other half of my life, or the other part of my life. This episode sponsored by the tourist industry of Kent. That's it. <laughs> exactly, this is absolutely, awesome. Yeah. Come see the catching flies uh, as they open up on the uh, Tracy Enim's uh, Margate Margate yeah. um, Gallery. That's, yeah. that's fantastic. Well, I mean, your thoughts on uh, classic art and co- and copying, and yes. you know, wanting to be more abstract. I think is also the reason why I have my traitred. Because you know he's he's too basic, he's too easy, it's too right. too much of a given. He's too beautiful. So you know, I want people to be a bit, a bit dirty. I want my engineers to be a bit more dirty and, and abstract. So that's what it is. <laughs> a bit more real. I want him to be more yeah. real. That's what it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, that, that is fascinating. I'm, I don't want to talk about season one. This is just more interesting. I just want to hear about Dan, the the rock star. Um, what the was your fa- star, yeah. What was your favorite song? What was the Catching Flies sort of favorite song? Do you know what? I can't remember the names of them anymore. It's a long time ago. Um, He's being modest. That's what it is. No, it's true. I can't. Um, <laughs> do you know, we did one, a really early one called In My Head. And it was very punky. Ooh. And I really liked that one. Yeah, nice. That was a good song. Yeah. We wrote yeah. some really good songs, actually. Very being, cool. You know, being mo- unmodest for a moment. <laughs> we were very good. We were a pretty good band, really. You worked as a collective, or was it you had one uh, no, songwriter? We, we and... had a songwriter, and he would come with with like a lyrics and and a you know a tune. 
Mm-hmm. And then we'd, we'd work from there and make the song and arrange it and stuff. Very us. cool. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Well, I think that's a perfect segue to season one. Just do it. You know, just do it. Aunt, yeah. Archer, just get out there. Go straight yeah. into Warp 5, Warp, uh, Warp 4 engines. Yeah. You name it, get out there. Be punk, you know, uh, yes. explore the long road. Um, yeah. Getting from there to here. I think it's a perfect segue. So uh, season one, what were your original thoughts? When you Can you remember the thoughts of season one back then? I've always been quite um, kind to Star Trek. I like Star Trek. So I like this season. Um, and I think at the time, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. I think um, as I've got more and more into the sort of thinking about Star Trek, I think my, my opinions have changed a little bit. But I think initially I, I sort of enjoyed it. It was great to have Star Trek back. Mm. You know, I think we have to sort of place it in where it was. You know, we'd sort of... Um, TNG obviously had finished and DS9 and stuff. So this was... A continuation of Star Trek, so this was exciting for that that fact. Mm. Um, so yeah, initially, yeah, I enjoyed it, and mm. I and I still do, to be honest with you. Um, I will pick it apart a bit more as we go <laughs> forward, but you know, it's it's Star Trek. I enjoy it. Mm. And do you think there's a big change now, having sort of rewatched it? You know, this t- this time on, and being more critical, having to be more critical. Do you think that's changed how you viewed it and your opinions? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think, um, yeah, it, it's it's not the strongest season of in, of of um, Star Trek in the world. Hmm. It's it's okay. It's enjoyable in in lots of parts, and and poor in some parts. I think the whole thing about the the, the way that um, Jolene Blaylock and and uh, Park I can't think of her first name um, uh, Linda Linda Park mm. are treated is mm. it's a bit like TOS now yeah you know, TOS when you watch TOS now it's very problematic mm. you know you have to you have to acknowledge the issues and I think we have to acknowledge the issues right through Enterprise in fact but certainly the first season. Um, and and that sort of makes it not difficult to watch, but it certainly takes away some of the, I don't know if innocence is the right word really, but some of the, you know, you have to, you have to acknowledge that there was issues. And I mean, I think, Mm -hmm. you know, that's, that's true. I mean, funny enough, I was watching, I can't remember what episodes it was, but I caught a couple of episodes recently of, TNG and I think DS9 as well and there was a couple of it you know there was a few bits in there as well which I think you know we'll get to eventually you mm-hmm. know yeah um I think Discovery have made a, a very very conscious decision to move away from that kind of thing mm. um and you can argue about you know whether that works as well mm. um but certainly you know I think the storytelling in season one it just, it never feels to me like it quite gets going. It never feels like it really punches home. Yeah. There's a lots of episodes I think we've spoken about where, you know, not a lot happens. And then there's a bit of bit of action at the end. 
mm-hmm. which again maybe is a nod to the way that storytelling was being done at early 2000s it was a bit they were trying to hit that more yeah. cerebral note maybe mm. which i don't think they really achieved um but again yeah it's it's other than a couple of episodes i can't say i found it a, a trial to watch mm. i think I, I could have happily watched other star trek and enjoyed it more yeah but yeah I think overall it's not bad. It's 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 okay. It's yeah. okay. And, and and that's a you know that's I think that's what you get with most first seasons. Very true. I think the the first announcement that there was going to be this new show, and I think this is something I've mentioned um before when we had a few enterprise scenes way back in history. Um my first thoughts about enterprises we're going for another show we'd already had tng ds9 and then tng ends and then voyager takes over and we'd had a lot of trek in one go and the patterns of episodes were starting to get played out quite a lot towards the end of voyager especially i mean the the people always joke about the reset button in voyager and it never really went anywhere and never played into into its concept so the idea of jumping straight into a new show as soon as voyager was finished it wasn't quite fatigue and people were saying, you know, Mm. have we had too much? It wasn't quite there, but it just felt like, well, what else is there to tell right now? Maybe Mm. wait a few years, give, you know, give TV, give social history a chance to sort of play out and then maybe try and make a commentary on that. It just Mm. felt like Star Trek enterprise was just coming in. We have to have Star Trek on the air somewhere. So we just throw a show out there. Um, what they started to deliver, and I thought had really good pace at the beginning, from Broken Bow to maybe about sort of just past Unexpected, you know, those first few episodes, they had quite a strong idea of what they wanted to do, the first steps out into mm. the universe. And then gradually it starts to peter out and it starts to fall into the tropes that Voyager had fallen into, the reset button. Yes. The, you know, the episodes don't really seem to go anywhere or we don't really talk about them anymore. We've picked up little tidbits here and there like character through um you know some characters have had a journey as such and an arc but the thing that i mentioned episodes ago on temple trek was that it felt like they had a message to make but never quite delivered that last punch to really drive Mm. it home they they had a script in mind they had an episode and uh an, an obstacle to overcome for the crew but they never quite delivered a morality tale or the, the final punchy message um, yes. as TOS did back in the sixties. TOS was very direct about what it wanted yes. to do right down to having, you know, characters with half black and half white faces. It might be a bit too on the nose now watching it back, but at least it was direct about what it wanted to say. Yeah. Enterprise kind of feels like it fell flat. It, mm. it, it was leading the race in terms of its look and its aesthetic and it had a very clear idea that it was the first journey into space, but it just uh, fumbles at the last hurdle. Mm. You know, the race isn't quite finished for them. And season one, I think it sort of has that feel towards the end. Shockwave, I think, is a bit up. You know, they, they brought back the action and they brought back some of these things yep. that they've been trying to pepper through. But again, it doesn't quite land that really punchy ending to the first season. Um, and I don't think that, I don't think that opinion has changed for me from watching it the first time to watching it now. I don't think that's really changed critically. I think um, I'm, I'm viewing it with more critical eyes now 
than I was back in 2001 because I was just happy to have Star Trek on TV. Yep. Now, looking back 20 years, like you say, what we know of Jolene Blaylock, what we know they did with Linda Park's character, what we know they've seen with Travis and how underused he was as a character for season one. There, there feels like there should have been so much more to this show and they just didn't do it. And it, it, it's kind of hard not to hold it against the show, knowing what other TV shows were doing at that time. Yes, I agree, uh, absolutely. The other sci-fi show at the time on TV would have been uh, Firefly. And what that did in one season for the characters, Joss Whedon is a whole other problem. I'm just going to remove that from this conversation. But it had all these characters with a very strong sense of who they were, and that impacted the story. And if that was the state of TV in other sci-fi shows, it kind of feels, why wasn't that there for Star Trek? And it, and that, again, that's my personal bias. Other people might feel, feel differently. But if TV was already there, why hadn't Star Trek if not it caught up, if not leading the way, why was it not leading the way in, in better storytelling? Um, do you think? Yeah. Do you think the another issue is is being the prequel? You know, there's a yeah. lot of people that are, are sort of have, have issue with that. Mm. And do you think that is something that was a problem? Well, I mean, we'd already had our fingers burned from having uh, Phantom Menace. Uh, over in the other franchise, you know, the other star franchise at the time. And I think people had been burnt out on the prequels already or the idea of a prequel uh, in any kind of franchise. Um, I didn't mind it. Uh, personally, I, I wasn't put off by the idea of going back in time uh, and having the first steps because there were so many things they could do. The problem, I think, is that it didn't really deliver on that. You know, we already had transporters. Um, they were already able to synthesize their own food. You know, it's not the same as replicators. It's not the same as the transporters we will see in the future. And they've got to, you know, polarize the whole plating instead of shields up. I kind of feel like that, they sh that journey to find that technology should have been part or baked into season one's premise. We haven't got transporters that quite work and we see them fail regularly. They are able to beam up cargo, but maybe something else doesn't quite work or it's a bit tricky. I feel like the transporters are pretty safe and they use them straight in, in, the, in the pilot. Yeah. Um, if we'd waited a few episodes and then used the transporters for the first time, I don't know, it kind of felt like that should have been the way they go. Um, it, it's a prequel, but it didn't lean into the idea of being a dangerous place to work in space uh, and if it feels like if it was a prequel it should have been more dangerous mm. right and what and about the temple trek uh, temp temple trek temple <laughs> cold war temple trek is terrible uh, don't listen to that podcast it's awful um temple trek cold yeah the cold war as i've said a million times and i'm sure the temple trek listeners who are here on nexus nights why you'd be on nexus nights and not be a temple trek i don't know but um feel like the temporal cold war is an interesting concept and it would allow you to bring in future things that we, the Star Trek fans know, and you could do, you know, your, your member berries, you could call back to your nostalgia. Um, but it feels like it should have been later. They should have enjoyed the concept of the prequel in season one, season two, then bring in this idea of a temporal cold war. We've got warriors from the 30th century. who want to come back and alter the change and, and change history and things like this. You know, you've already established that, Archer has gone out into space for the first year and has stumbled and failed and they've learned lessons. 
now they're more able to deal with this future threat, whatever it might be. It, it came too early for me. I don't know why. And that's the same way back when I watched it in 2001 and still now today. Um, how about you? Yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit the same as you. I think it's a really good concept. It just feels like, uh, again, with a, I think what you've sort of said, you know, they don't just don't quite commit. Mm. That feels like the problem with season one is that they never quite commit to, I mean, I suppose there's an ongoing story in that, as you say, they're, they're coming out for the first time. They're, you know, they're exploring very much, you know, literally exploring uncharted territory. Mm. Um, and so there's that, that ongoing sort of development of that. But again, you know, the, the Temple Cold War, you know, why not make that a season? Mm. Why not? You know, if you're going to go with it, go with it. Mm-hmm. You know, it drops in, it comes in, then it goes away, then it comes in again, and it's all a bit half-hearted, really. Mm-hmm. You know, I think personally that season three is a really good season. I know a lot of people don't like it actually, but I mm. think it's really good because it committed to a story mm-hmm. and it plays that story out, and you you know you get development of characters you get development of of antagonists you know you get the whole sort of zindi council thing that starts to develop and you get to know the characters and stuff so for me that really worked Mm. um whereas with this one because the temple cold war sort of dropped in and dropped out and there was a lot of very standalone episodes it never quite got going and i think that maybe is where some of the problem is it just never quite kicks into life it's mm. you know half the season is temple cold war and half of it is other stuff <laughs> and that's yeah. it not, not even half like we well, have even half exactly we yeah. had uh, broken bow cold front uh there's one other uh timey-wimey episode i think and then shockwave and that's it mm. four episodes in a 22 yeah. or 25 episode season um it yeah it, it's not a commitment to a big premise and it was part of the pilot. Again, yeah. if the pilot had just been, um, they have to argue their case to go into space and they have to um, convince the Vulcans politically that it's their time to go. Then season two or episode two, I should say, is this introduction of a weird temporal cold war or, or maybe even the cliffhanger from the end of the pilot is we meet Daniels and Daniels yes. is saying they've gone into space, but now the temporal cold war is going to heat up, you know, uh, Again, I'm probably using today's TV thinking to try and yeah. criticize it. But there is the fact, as you just said, we already know there's a season two, three, and four, and we see how well they did things in three and four, at least, mm. to judge it against. Like, this yeah. is what they should have been doing from the get go. And yeah. I think it's harder now to look back at season one and not be a, a little bit disappointed that they weren't hitting that stride already. Yeah. Yeah, and definitely. And of course, there's the historical context of where the series was placed slap bang in production. There's a big political upset for America in nine 11. Do you think that that changed the way that Star Trek, you know, can you have a happy, optimistic TV show, uh, sci-fi TV show on TV screens in America when they have had their first domestic um, attack from a foreign soil? No, I think it has to change what happened. And I think there's no doubt that it, I think there's in the arc. Is it a direct response? I'm not sure, but I think it probably is. 
if it isn't a direct response, it's certainly heavily influenced. You know, so yes, I think you're right. I think that changes. It changes everything. You know, it, it changed the world. Mm. You know, so it's going to change TV and it's going to change Star Trek. Um, and so I think we, we you definitely see that, no doubt about it. Um, and it would be very interesting to you know to see what would have happened without it. Mm. Would we have had season three? I don't think we would have done. I think we would have had a totally different story. Um, and yeah, you have to take that into account. I think. Mm. I think um, the world, you know, even from this side of the pond, as such, the world changed. Mm. There's no doubt about it. The way, just you know, literally and and metaphorically, it changed. And I think people's outlook or you know it's a bit like i don't know um i don't want to dis diminish this at all obviously because it's you know but i remember when we hit when was it now it was, we had a bit of a we had a, a, a um a recession hmm. i think 2008 actually you know 2008 yeah, yeah yeah the crash yeah i don't know about you but I felt like things, the, the world felt slightly different. Mm -hmm. You could feel it. Yeah. People were more worried. People were more sort of concerned about money and, and concerned about their living standards and all that stuff. And I know this is, that's, you know, peanuts compared to people dying and, you know, the rest mm -hmm. of it. But I really remember that feeling. And I think the same with, with uh, 9 11. Mm. You know, it was like, wow, this is, you know, this is unbelievable. This is, you know, and then and then straight into the Iraq War and stuff, and you know, and and, and things change from there, and Afghanistan and stuff, you know, and mm -hmm. and all that, you know. So it has to change the way people write and people are thinking, the, the things people are thinking about. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think definitely it's. Um, I don't think we really see it in season one, but certainly, obviously, season three is is a, you know, yeah. is is a. What's the word? An allegory. 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 Yeah, no absolutely. Doubt. Yeah, yeah. And I think it shows more in season three when those episodes almost stand out of the arc that they were setting up, mm. and it and it can be seen as an, an independent episode in its own right. Yeah, are sometimes the weaker episodes of that season because it's almost like season one or it's almost like season two, in yeah. that it was trying to go back on itself and be like Star Trek again without yes. trying this new concept and really sticking to it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think it, it kind of plays its... The curse of season one carries through into other episodes that try to be like it uh, mm. and, yeah, becomes the weaker elements of, of season three. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't think there's any more on that I could, I could really uh, mind, but um, it does change TV by having these big geopolitical things. We got Star Trek because of the big geopolitical things you know gene roddenberry wanted to comment on the vietnam yes. war he wanted to com comment on uh, the civil rights movement he wanted to do it in a tv sci-fi concept so that it would get past the censors and make a commentary on it again gene roddenberry is problematic in his own right, right and it has his own things as well just as joss Whedon does with all of his things and you know there's always those those conversations but at its root star trek was about making a comment on society so a show that's had it from day one 
about commenting on politics is of course going to change when that politics around you changes um i'm blanking on i'm desperately trying to remember the name of the philosopher who came up with the the term uh, end of history or, or the the for, like, for, for Kimoyama, for, fukuyama that's him yes fukuyama, yeah and he was positing that you know the end of the cold war yeah. is the end of history because there's no yeah. more conflict well <laughs> 2001 yeah, happened yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there's still conflict um and and now the conflict you know instead of like two major countries and two superpowers it's now 12 superpowers um you know there's so much more conflict so there's so many more stories to tell to comment on that conflict and it feels like enterprise wasn't really telling all the stories it could it was still telling the stories of two superpowers and it was still logged in that 60s mindset uh, and hadn't quite got out of it even to the point of the more sexy creepy trek that we've been talking about in in temporal trek and the old hang-ups of tv making as it was yeah um with a mind to coming into season two, based on what we know or what we've already seen from season two, as the listeners are probably aware, we've already started recording some of season two episodes. Having already watched a few season two episodes and not the best ones, um, does it change your opinion on season one so far? Do you feel that they learned their lessons quickly enough? No, I don't think they did. Not so far. I think mm. season two does get better. Mm. And this is only from from memory because mm. I haven't watched forward or anything really yet. Um, but no, I think as I say, I think season three is where they hit the mark. Yeah, and and it's it's such a tragedy. Tragedy is such a ridiculously overblown <laughs> word, but it's such a shame that they never got season five, six, seven, because I think we you know it would have been great or mm. could have been great. Um, but season one and season two, I think they're still they're still in that they're in a weird position where they're in the new TV world. Mm. I don't think they've really embraced that. They yeah. they've sort of it's almost like they've they've read an article in the in the paper about it mm. and gone all oh, right, but without going any further than that, they haven't sort of looked, they haven't watched any of the TV. Yeah, you know, they've sort of read. Oh, this is a thing. We better do it. <laughs> and they've never they're not quite really <laughs> understood what it is that they're meant to be doing you know yeah do you yeah, think so, do you think actually it, uh the say, season benefits now from being able to binge it in a social media like in the, the the latest streaming age do you think that's changed season one in some respects i think most tv has benefited from that if i'm honest i think um it's really interesting, and there's a program on on the beat on the ITV at the moment mm. called Trigger Point. Mm. It's, it was it's on a Sunday night. Okay. Um, it's it's done by the same guy that did um, uh, oh god, the one on BBC, the really big one with um, oh uh, the the bodyguard. No, well, yeah, the bodyguard, but also the the, the oh, what's it called, the police one, where they're AC nineteen and they're investigating oh. corruption. Uh, call, uh, Only not Call, call of Duty. Duty. No, um, Line of Duty. Line of Duty. Line of Duty. There That's we go. Cool. Yeah, which Duty is, would be cool though. I would just yeah, say. it would be. Yeah, <laughs> it's done by the same person oh. or produced by the same person, and it's it's good. I'm enjoying it. But what's really interesting is ITV have decided not to put it on their iPlayer or their, their player thing as a bingeable season. Mm. They're on there as it gets released, but you can't binge it. Mm. And it's really, really annoying. 
and it's it's really interesting in that way ah. that, you know something we've experienced in star trek though with uh, season yeah. four of discovery um, yeah exactly yeah, yeah. has it's, it changed you know, it that? it's yeah. very annoying that you can't you can't watch it all you know there's nothing like sitting there watching two or three episodes in a row especially mm. with a show which is building a story mm-hmm. because you get you get wrapped up in it don't you you know you what like i mean the other thing of course is with itv there's adverts now yeah. american viewers be like well of course there's adverts mm-hmm. not in this country on the bbc there's no adverts and you can sit and watch an hour's television mm-hmm. and you watch an hour's television you don't watch 48 <laughs> minutes or whatever it is and you know so that's enough you know that that's by the by in a way but yeah i think when you watch it, star trek as as a bingeable series mm. there's something about that and i think with like ds9 particularly that works yeah because of the nature of ds9 it's it, you know it just works so well and and um so yeah watching enterprise bingeable is a different experience definitely mm. there are certainly a lot of character points i don't know for, for you but for me character points that i'd completely forgotten because they're they're quite subtle. I mean, all those little vignettes that we uh, we've yes. been talking about in the beginning of most of the episodes, I'd mostly forgotten. They they sort of blanked out. You know, I remember the episode as a whole, um, mm. but I'd sort of forgotten. But being able to binge it, being able to you know yep. go back and rewatch it and and see it building in the background, uh, again it leads to the disappointment that it didn't follow through and they weren't yes. really building something. <laughs> But it's quite nice to see. It's quite nice to appreciate that there was this at least attempt to do something. Yeah, I agree. And I think also what you, what happens is you settle into the world. Mm. When you watch two or three episodes in a row, mm. you're, you're in that sort of place. And it that really helps. Well, when you come to it fresh mm. on a you know on a Sunday evening or whatever, you've sort of okay, what you know, what happened the other day and you know what do you know what I mean? And I yeah. think so I think Star Trek definitely benefits from from being on Netflix or whatever service mm. it is. Um, yeah, and it's a you, you do you you see you do you see things that you don't necessarily see week to week. I'm interested to see if that applies to TOS. Like I've never watched been or binged TOS really? in okay. that way. I've always yeah. watched it episode by episode. One because they're yeah. longer, you know, physically yes. the episodes are longer anyway. Um, but I've never really sat and just binged three or four episodes in one go, and just to see if there's any difference. You know, it wasn't. Yeah. It was never intended to be made that way. No. So I've I've always it, just something in my brain. I've just always watched it one episode, take a bit of a break, come back for another episode. Oh, okay. So this will be the first time. So I'm interested to see if that also changes the game mm. when watching it. Uh, have you have you binged it? I presume. And, and watched yeah I've, back yeah back. i've watched two or three episodes in a row yeah definitely mm. and, um yeah it's interesting i hadn't really thought about that but what's interesting i suppose is tos as you say wasn't made and nor was enterprise in fact but now now series are they're made knowing mm. that people will binge watch them mm-hmm. and whether that that encourages a, a tighter storyline a, a more continuous storyline mm. You know, rather than very episodic, it'd be interesting with Stone's New World to see how that, that yeah, works. yeah, because that is you know. really reverting to type. That's really sticking yeah. to episode to episode, according to what they're saying. Yeah. Um, but they are mentioning that character arcs are going through the season, 
So it almost feels, is it going to be like Enterprise Season 1? You know, yep. it's sort of the half and half element. And will that work? Will that be able to work um, in a modern TV setting? Are we going to repeat history or not? Mm. Um, Interesting. Does it break your theory, Season 1 theory? With everything we've just said, I'm going to let you answer that question first. <laughs> um, well, I'm thinking it doesn't break your theory. I think you're 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 quite uh, stated there. I don't know. Having what now watched a few episodes of season two, and seeing that it didn't come back with hitting the ground running, it's better than what I remember, hmm. but it's still not great Enterprise or great Star Trek. It's not. You know, thinking of our ratings criteria that we've been doing episode by episode, would I recommend to Star Trek oh, fans yes. to watch season one or recommend to non-Star Trek fans? To Star Trek fans, yes, because it brings back a new series. So you need to see the pilot to understand the characters. But really, as a season, I think there are better seasons for Star Trek fans to really get into the Star Trek universe. Uh, for me, it's always season three and season four of TNG. And pretty much most of the later seasons of DS9 and a couple of the seasons of Voyager as well are, for me, the height uh, of where Star Trek really hit its stride. Um, To non-Star Trek fans, though, because there is the limitation built into the series of the technology doesn't work, it's not quite there, it's appealing to Star Trek fans because you don't need to know all the lore. But I think you get more out of it knowing a few things. Oh, they're, they're referencing the Rigelians. Oh, that, that becomes yeah. something later on and, and all these kinds of things. So, yeah, I don't think I can recommend to them either. And for that reason, I don't think I could hold it up as a good season one. So for me, your your rule is not broken. How about you? Yeah, I think so as well. I think um, and my recommendation, I would um, I would recommend it to Star Trek fans. Because I think it's time to give it another go. Nice. Despite the the, the weaknesses that we pointed out mm. just now, I think it it's better than than it was given credit for. And mm. I certainly think Enterprise as a whole is better than it's given credit for. Um, Definitely. Non Star Trek fans, no, I agree with you. I think um, what if anything makes this season this series work is the fact that it references the what's gone before mm-hmm. and i think you need not need you don't need to know that but it does add something to the viewing if you you sort of see the little references that come in mm-hmm. you know um you know what would be the point of seeing the ferengi and not yeah. have the ferengi identified if you didn't know <laughs> about quark and, and all the rest of it you know yeah. What would be the point of the Borg later on? I mean, this is not season one, but later on, you know, if you didn't know about the Borg, you know, yeah, it would, you know, so I think it, it, but I do think Star Trek fans should, if they haven't watched it since it come out or, you know, for a long time, then I think they mm. should give it another go. And especially, I mean, I, I, what I do think a little bit is season one, a bit like TNG, mm. season one is a bit of a slog. Yeah but it leads on to better. Um, and and you sort of need season one to make the later seasons make sense. If you see what I mean, you need mm. the whole story mm. to, 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 to make, you know, why would, to a degree, why would you care about season three 
if you didn't know these characters already. I mean, I know that they did, you know, destroy part of Florida and stuff. So there's that link yeah. to the real world and things. Mm. But, you know, you, you need to know these characters. You need to know Trip to care that his sister's died and, you know, that sort of stuff. So mm -hmm. I think it deserves, it at least deserves a rewatch. I don't know if it deserves a binge rewatch or whether it deserves a rewatch when you've got a minute. Yeah. Sort of thing. That's another matter. You know, I don't know if I would say you should just watch Enterprise for, for three months. This should be all you watch. <laughs> I, I don't think I'd say that. But equally, certainly think, not make a podcast about it where you have to break it no, down. Who, would, who, would, no, do who would do that? I mean, who that, this, I mean, that's madness. Who would voluntarily join in that? I mean, it's just, you know, well, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> who would spend their Monday mornings talking about that? Exactly. Terrible. A terrible <laughs> idea. Awful. <laughs> but yeah, so I think it's, it, it keeps the rule going. It's, it's not the best season of Enterprise, that's for sure. Yeah. There's at least two better seasons. Mm. out of four says so you know that's, that's not bad going yeah 50 percent um, average is not bad yeah <laughs> so yeah i think um yes it, it, it maintains the rule mm. excellent i think it's a great place to leave it did you want to sign us out yeah well thank you very much for listening to nexus nights listen to us ramble about um what do we talk about we talked about music and art and um and star trek we did get yeah. a bit of star trek in there didn't we a little bit just yeah. um Yep. And uh, yeah, see you next time. Next time on the Nexus Nights. Thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this latest Nexus Nights episode. If you'd like to get in contact, you can search us on Facebook or find me on Twitter at Rider underscore Coattail. Or you can find me on Instagram at Daniel underscore Hitch underscore Writer. The show itself is a work of pure fiction on my part and all the views and opinions I express are my own and are not reflective of the rights holders of Star Trek. The intro music, The Dust Clears, and the outro music, Changes, are by Jim Hall. Check out his work and others at freemusicarchive.com. The Temple Trek Nexus Nights is hosted on Anchor FM. If you enjoyed this content and would like to support the show, follow, subscribe, review, and of course, share on social media for me. And I'll catch you next time. There we go. All good. That's that. I like the idea of other people hosting. This is much better. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. No, uh, love hearing about the band. Yeah. I want to hear some of the music. I want to see if you've got any recordings. That'd be great. Uh, yeah, I have to dig it out. I must somewhere, mm. I'm sure. But it's been a long time. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a long road. It has <laughs> been a long road, yes. We should have covered that. If only we'd known. Ah, never mind. We could have Next covered time. that. <laughs> get the band to get together it's a reunite uh, reunited on the temple trek covering yep. the it's been a long road and that'll be yep. the intro for the whole show intro, yeah that'd be perfect <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, yeah that'd be great um right well that's a great episode i've got about yep. 15 minutes and then i've got to get the little one out of nursery yep, yep. uh we're not meeting up next week because it's half term and Tuesday? Oh no, not Tuesday next so week. The, Tuesday the week after. We Tuesday the week after, just because that's when okay. the kid goes back, and then I've got yep. my mornings back as well. Is that okay for you? The Tuesday? Yeah. That's that's fine. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, don't see yeah. a problem. If for any reason that's not possible, we can do the Wednesday, the Thursday, or the Friday that week as well. So okay. any any morning really is is fine for me. Okay. Um, and then the Monday after that, we'll have our guest for the communicator. Yeah, and that's Brilliant. where I really like the better episodes. It goes up. I, on I the think curve. you're right. I think it begins to. <laughs> Hmm. Yes, it begins to improve, doesn't it?
yeah it might wobble every now and then but it yeah. it's, gets better after the communicator yeah. um right well have a good one and i'll see and you, you mate. in two weeks and yep. we'll talk uh the seventh if we have to <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah Brilliant. there we go right cheers mate have a good take one take care see you later bye-bye bye-bye